Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in SoCal High School Sports Podcast, powered by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Connor Morissette. Believe has shows dedicated to all of your favorite L.A. sports teams. Our shows are available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to rate and subscribe. I have a really interesting show today with Granada Hills High School baseball coach Matt Matuzak. He has a ton of interesting things to say about the game of baseball, his career as a groundskeeper with the San Francisco Giants. He also played professional poker for a few years. Very, very interesting guy. I'm excited for everyone to check this out. It's Matt Matuzak on the Believe in SoCal High School Sports Podcast. Coach Matt Matuzak, baseball coach of Granada Hills. Coach, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. What's your background? How'd you get into baseball? Let's start it off very easy. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I, I've been involved in baseball my whole life. I mean, I've loved the game, you know, since I was three years old and was, you know, a high school ball player, the whole thing. Uh, didn't know that I really wanted to get into coaching and, and got into coaching when I was really young. I think I was about 20 years old. Um, up in Oregon. I'm from Oregon. And so I coached uh, for four years. I was a freshman and JV coach up there. And then um, I got an opportunity to actually come down to Southern California and coach out at Ukaipa High School. Um, Very prestigious high school out there with Coach Stout. I think Coach Stout's like number three all time in uh, the state of California and all times wins uh, list. And, um, you know, really neat year out there. We were nationally ranked, had two first round draft picks. um, And then I got a head job uh, back up in Oregon. So, um, headed back up to the ring, got a head job up there. I was up there for five years, um, coaching actually at my alma mater up there. And then, um, went back to school, got my, uh, did my student teaching, uh, got, a, got another job down in the Bay area when I started teaching and two years there. And then two years I've been here. So that's kind of my, my coaching background. As a player, what uh, position were you in? What would you do? I, I, you know, it's funny. I was a three-sport athlete. I, I played football, basketball, baseball. I came from a small town, so that was a little bit more common than than, than down here uh, where you kind of specialize. But uh, in baseball, I was a shortstop and, and a leadoff guy. Um, and football, I was a quarterback. And basketball, I was a point guard. So, you know, I just uh, loved athletics and did everything pretty much year-round. So. And what high school was that? Sweet Home High School up in Oregon, little town. Uh, I think about 700 students in in the school town of about, uh, I think there's about 9,000 people up there, um, just on the uh, foothills of the Cascade Mountains up there. And you eventually coached football there. Yeah, I actually started coaching football before baseball, ironically. Um, Loved the game. Coach Younger, uh, who was my high school football coach, he was my mentor. He was kind of like, um, you know, a, a second father, if you will. Uh, growing up, the guy that I sat with in ch- at church and, and just, you know, kind of took me under the wing, you know, spent lunch times in his, his classroom. Uh, he got me into coaching. He, he's the reason that I coach today. Um, you know, he had a, a assistant football job opening and, and asked me if I was interested, and I did it. I think I was a JV offensive coordinator, and uh, I can't remember my other responsibility year one, but um, you know, kind of made my way up the ranks. And then, you know, from coaching football, I just kind of fell in love with working with kids and, and 
coaching in general. And then Coach Tao, who ironically was my high school baseball coach, uh, needed a freshman coach. And so I stepped in and, and kind of got involved in baseball and, and um, you know, always loved both. And I coached both all the way up till actually I moved here uh, last year. So, yeah. In the Southern California baseball community, you're known as the groundskeeper guy. Your fields <laughs> yeah. are beautiful. Thank you. And you've worked with the Giants organization yeah. and worked on that field for weekends. Yeah. I saw an article about you. How did you get into groundskeeping, <laughs> and how did you get that gig? Well, you know, kind of a long story, but uh, I have always had a passion for baseball fields. I've always loved uh, baseball in general, and um, even up in Oregon, when I, you know, before I got into really groundskeeping, if you will, um, I still was out working on my field all the time. I didn't know what I was doing, but at least I was working hard and, and doing things. And then uh, I got down to the Bay Area, as I mentioned, uh, four, four years ago now. And I was just looking for infield material, honestly. And, and I, was call, I called one guy, again, new to the area. I called one guy. I said, hey, I need some infield material for my field. He said, call this guy. Who said, call this guy. And the next thing I know, I'm talking to the head groundskeeper of the San Francisco Giants, Greg Elliott. And I think I talked to the guy for like 20 minutes on the phone before he even told me who he was. And I was like, wait, you're the head groundskeeper of the Giants. And so I uh, kind of built a relationship with him. He's a great dude. Um, he came out to my field and on his own he's like 45 minutes away he's in, out on the west bay was this in san francisco yeah in san okay. francisco you know he, he lives like 45 minutes away and he just offered to come out for free on a saturday morning work help me out answer my questions came out to my field i mean i must have took like three pages of notes and and i mean i the guy you know I, you know i sound nerdy when i talk about groundskeeping stuff this guy's way above me um, and I, you know, like I said, I just kind of built a relationship with him at the end of my season that year. I, I just kind of was like, Hey, Greg, um, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach. I, I got the summer off, uh, any way I could come down and just kind of learn, you know, just kind of thinking kind of an internship sort of thing. Can I just come down and shadow and, and see what you guys do? And the next thing I know I'm filling out a W two, you know, and I, I'm like, Whoa, wait, hold on. You're giving me a job. You know, and so I, I didn't even know I was applying for a job, and, and he gave me a job, and I, I was aboard there for, for the last three years um, working with that crew. And I'll tell you what, I mean, just such a great experience and all the things that I've learned and, and just having the resources, you know, of being able to talk to those guys. And, I'm st you know, I still talk to Greg all the time, and, uh, you know, anytime I've got a question, I'm still asking questions all the time. So really cool opportunity that I had to do that. Did you have any interesting interactions with any players or management? With the <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I yeah, I ha I could tell stories all day. You know, one off the top of my head, kind of a neat one was um, as a groundskeeper, I'm in the dugout during games. You know, and and sometimes it's a little bit of like, okay, I can't be a fan here. Holy cow, there's no Syndergaard right there. You know, you know, you you got to be professional and all that. But one cool story is uh, two years ago, Vin Scully's last uh, series. Uh, the Dodgers were up in San Francisco. And so I was actually in the Dodgers dugout for Vince Scully's last game, which was really cool. Um, just because of how emotional it was with all the people in the dugout and, you know, the whole organization and e even how awesome the Giants treated him and, and the ceremony that they did. And, um, you know, then another funny story with player interaction, like you were saying, is, is I was um, – I was my job for that day was Clayton Kershaw was throwing. I don't remember which game of the series, but my job was the chalk the deep foul line out in right field, right down by where the visiting bullpen was. And uh, right before the game, they have this thing called triples alley out there, where all the you know the big wig season ticket holders can be on the field, and then 
you know, they, they drink during batting practice, and then after batting practice they go up into the stands. Well, um, those guys are going up into the stands there by the bullpen, and Clayton Kershaw is trying to, to, get, to warm up to get ready for the game. And my job is literally just to do the, the foul line. I'm not in charge of these, these guys going up in the stands. I'm just, I'm just sitting there waiting. You know, and, and, and for some reason he thought it was my job to have those guys out of the way. And, and you know, Clayton Kershaw, you know, nicest guy ever. You know, I've, I've heard so many great things about him. But on game day, man, that guy's intense. You know, you don't look at him funny. And uh, he got a little fired up at me because he thought it was my fault and, you know, started yelling at me. And I'm just like, whoa, hold on, what's going on here? Uh, you know, and started pointing at me and let me know in a, in a you know, roundabout way that if any of these guys got hit while he was playing catch, that it was going to be on me, you know. And so I'm just like, oh, great. You know, I, I'm getting yelled at by Clayton Kershaw. He's not happy. He feels like I'm messing up his routine. I'm just standing here waiting to, to, to chalk the foul line, you know. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm just praying. I'm just like, you know, please don't hit anybody. Please don't hit anybody. And Sure enough, he airmailed about three of them right into the stands. And I don't know if he did it like – I don't think he did it on purpose. You know, I don't think he would ever do that. But, man, he was just – you could just tell in his body language that he was not not a happy camper. Nobody got hit. Nobody got hurt. But um, it was kind of a very intimidating moment, uh, you know, to, to be getting yelled at by a guy that you, um, you know, watch on TV and obviously look up to as a big Dodger fan. You don't want to mess with the pregame uh, warm-ups, that's for sure. <laughs> you definitely don't. Did you, you recognize don't. any of the bigwigs in the uh, giant section who are standing on the field? Or yeah, well, I mean, those guys are down on the field all the time. You know, uh, Bayer and all those other owners. You know, Barry Bonds is out there all the time. Um, you know, all, all those guys are coming down. They're always down there in BP. Uh, you know, Bobby Evans, the, the former general manager, those guys are always down there. And, they, you know, they always usually are, you know, giving you a nod, saying, nice job, appreciate your hard work. You know, so yeah, you interact with those. You don't interact necessarily, but you see those guys all the time, and you know, you just kind of nod your head and you know, wave to them, and you just kind of, you know, go about your business. As someone who's a fan of baseball and not necessarily a fan of groundskeeping and all the work that goes into the baseball field, what's something that you could tell me that's interesting about how the field works? Is there a specific kind of dirt that would go on the mound that you don't put? Yeah. On the infi- like, well, I mean, I could get things? I could get really really nerdy with this, and you know, but but I mean, so a couple things is you know, like we do a whole with the infield mix, we do a whole soil analysis. So I actually take a soil analysis and I send it off into a lab. And you um, do that for Granada, too. Yeah, right? well, we do this for our school. Yeah, I've done it for the last couple schools that I've been at. And so, what does the fact, lab tell you? So the lab will tell me, um, you know, like our sand, silt, and clay ratio. So I'll know that, you know, our, our field, for, for instance, is like 68% sand. It's like uh, 18 or, sorry, I'm 18 or something percent clay. And it's like, whatever, 15, 14 or 15% silt. Um, and so I know what those ratios are. And then every year what we do is we do a field amendment. And so we o- order an engineered mix to blend with what our ratios are in our field. And there's other things like fine versus coarse sand, um, you know, sizes and other things that we're looking at with that. But we're actually engineering a material to blend in with what we already have to try to get our ratios to where we want them. Uh, We want, you know, a higher uh, clay to silt ratio in our field so that it'll, that'll, it'll, it'll play better with playability. We're always looking at playability, how fields dry out. You see other, some fields that are, that are muddy versus others that aren't. 
um, went with our, the actual mound itself, it's it's pretty much just straight mound clay. It's it's you know all clay. We're not putting you know sand and and silt infill mix, if you will, onto that. Uh, we also do a soil analysis with our grass. Um, a lot of people ask me, how does our grass get so green? Well, you know, we put a lot of, of uh, you know, time and, and resources into that. You know, we, we know what, um, you know, our magnesium and, and nitrogen and all, all those different levels and stuff. You know, again, I'm, I don't want to sound too nerdy, but we know what where our levels are. Um, in our fields and we know what we need to apply to try to get those ratios to where we want them to be so um, hopefully that answers that question that's really interesting yeah. we we talked off the air about coaching baseball in southern california and how it's a year-round responsibility what's the ratio for you of coaching and groundskeeping if you put it all together add it all up oh man what i probably I, I oh man uh, uh i know you're spending so much time on that field in the off season, it's a lot more. And on the weekends, I'm focusing a lot on my groundskeeping. During the week, other than really maintenance and prep, I try not to do too much. I try to focus more on just coaching. Um, you know, on a game day, for instance, I got to get the field ready. I probably spend twice as much time on a game day getting the field ready, cleaning up the field, than I actually do coaching. And then, you know, on practice days, I'm I'm focusing a little bit more on coaching. But, man, I mean, you know, I'll get here and I'll be working, you know, all the way up to first pitch. You'll see me out there with the rake and you get in the field ready. And then I try to focus on, you know, coaching once I get to that point. So Going back to the groundskeeping work with the Giants, is it – you're a well-oiled machine out there. Everyone has their task. Is it like a boys' club when you guys are joking around? What are what are the, the oh, dynamics yeah. like? With oh, the yeah. I mean, the guys are great. You know, I worked, uh, you know, worked with a just a great – crew up there i'm still really close with a lot of them you know texting them all the time joking around you know we'd go out to eat after games or you know after shifts and stuff um really great group you know bunch of you know good mix of younger guys and older guys that all all you know one of the things with groundskeeping just like a lot of other jobs is you've got to be personable you got to be able to get along with people you got to work well with people and and greg does a really good job of hiring people that that work really well together and fit in and and you know, are good people, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I mean, just good old boys club, whatever you want to call it. You know, we all have a lot of fun. We all joke around, you know, um, we all follow each other on social media, all that good stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I've made a lot of uh, really good friends that, um, will hopefully be lifelong friends. Going back to the Vin Scully story, you're a Dodger fan. So that must've been even more special. The fact that this legendary broadcaster, one of the last games you were able to be in the dugout for that, Let's talk about the Dodgers a little bit. World Series lost the last couple of years. That's got to be really tough. Were you happy with their offseason? What are your yeah, thoughts going into man. the year now? Oh, man. You know, uh, I, I do my best to try to trust in the management. They, they know so much more than I do. So they know all the numbers. interrupt really quick. What did you make of the lineups last year in the postseason when they – it just seemed really obvious that – I know you don't like the lefty on lefty or whatever, but it seemed obvious that there were some guys on the bench who yeah. should have been in the lineup more often yeah. than they weren't. And, yeah, you know, they left them on the bench. Just a lot of people were fed up with that. Did you have any right. issue yeah. with that strategy? I, 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 I sort of did, but, again, I, I try at the end of the day to, to, know, to know that these guys know way more than I do and they have a lot more information than I do. But, yeah, as a fan, absolutely, drove me nuts. You know, uh, I see guys who, who – you know, are swinging the bat well, who are throwing the ball well, who, you know, are playing well. And then, you know, they uh, 
I, I can't remember this player, but, you know, one guy hit like two home runs and he's out of the lineup the next day because of matchup thing. You know, as a coach, I'm big on, you know, who's hot? You know, who, what do I see with my eyeballs? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of old school in that sense that I see things with my eyeballs and that's kind of what I want to go with. And I know there's mathematics and there's other things that kind of play into a lot of those decisions. But, yeah, absolutely, a lot of them really – um, you know, drove me nuts and I'm pulling my hair out and, you know, me and my dad, and my, my little brother who are Dodger fans, you know, we're in a little group text thread and we're just, you know, cursing, you know, the manager out and, you know, doing, playing that whole game as a fan. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just have to sit back and say, God, these guys know a lot more, but also, like I said, you know, I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm an eyeball guy, you know, what I see with my eyes, I don't care what the statistics say, you know, so, you know, yeah, it, it drove me nuts a little bit. That's the best part of baseball right now, though. The nerds, so to speak, say this. Yeah. This is the math. These are the numbers. This guy should hit, but your eyes, you right? Know, they, they sometimes tell a different and, story. And and it's you it's know, fascinating. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, as far as the Dodgers offseason, um, yeah. you know, I, again, you it's, not, it's, not my mon- it's not my money to spend, so I want them to spend the money. I, don't wanna, I want them to go over the luxury tax. I, I don't care, you know, but, uh, but again, it's not my money to spend. Did I want Harper? No. I didn't want Harper, but what I wanted was I wanted Real Muto, and I know it would have taken some top prospects to get him. You know, I, I, when the, we were rumored on, on Kluber, you know, I was really excited about that. I, you know, I've, I've really – one of my big things, you know, I was talking to one of my buddies about this, is I'm big on having power arms in the postseason in baseball. And, um, you know, Walker Bueller's obviously a power arm. And, yeah, and, and some, another thing, they didn't use him enough. Yeah, you know, and, they, and, and they, they've got some of these other guys who throw and they, that aren't power arms. You know, the Hinjin Ryus and, and the Maedas and the, um, you know, Rich Hills and, and, you know, a lot of these guys who aren't power arms and, and – I've always just had this philosophy that in the postseason you got to have those power arms, you know, those guys who are just lights out, strikeout type guys, and and um, so I'm always every year I'm screaming for that next, you know, give us that big number two top ace to go with Clayton Kershaw. Now Walker Bueller's kind of filled those shoes, but um, I, I just believe that the more dominant top end high velocity guys that you have in there. Um, in the postseason, the better you're going to do. So yeah, you know, I, I I'm always wanting more as a fan. Um, but again, I know it's not my money to spend. I know it's not they're not my prospects to to give away. Um, you know, so yeah, every every time there's a big name coming up, of course, as a fan, yeah, I want I want to see him go get him. It, the other thing, and you know, sorry, I just kind of interrupt, but but it just drives me nuts. You when you lose two World Series in a row, I would think, hey, I'd go all out. You know, I would give this fan base who hasn't had a, a World Series in 32 years or whatever it's been. I'd go all out, you know, I'd make sure I get it done. And I know that you don't necessarily win a world series by spending the most money, but if you look at, yeah, if you look at what the Red Sox did last year, they have that off season, they have that a plus go out, get the, get the big names, get the guys they want, get the JD Martinez, you know, get those guys. They, they went out and they did that and put themselves over the top, you know? And so it, it, I don't know. I, I, as a, as a fan that's, you know, suffered for 32 years, I wanted to see him go all out, but, you know, I get that there's a lot more that goes into it than, than just go out and get the big names. As a big baseball guy, does it bother you that the NFL and the NBA have really passed Major League Baseball in terms of following and just interest? Well, I think part of – yeah. I mean, it has a little bit, but I don't know. I don't follow the NBA that much, but, um, you know, I know there's a lot of things they're doing to try to improve the game, uh, you know, but – I know that come playoff baseball, nothing's more exciting than that, you know, and I know that the ratings go up. It's really hard to, 
to have the ratings up in baseball when you play 162 games. And, and again, they shuffle all these different lineups and, and, um, you know, there, it, there's a game on every day, you know? And so it's, I think it's really hard to have that continued interest, especially when fans see the big intensity jump that happens during the postseason. It's like they're waiting for that postseason where in the NFL, you get 16 weeks and you know, it's once a week. And, um, of course, you know, people are going to be more fired up about the regular season because it seems shorter, even though it's not, you know, there's just less games. People who have a problem with major league baseball say, takes too long the games there's too many games the fact that you can play until 3 a.m like we saw yeah. with the red sox dodgers I, again in the world series that's probably a little different but people have an issue with the extra inning games do you have any fixes in mind that you want to see or are you happy with the product right now you don't want to change it i'm happy with the product right now you know i i, I think if you look you know how long does an nfl game go it goes three hours you know how long does a major league game go it goes about three hours i don't you know again i don't watch a lot of nba maybe it's a little bit quicker but um you know part of the problem is is they just have so many matchup with the relievers again it go, comes back to all these numbers they make all these substitutions they make all these you know they cut down on the mound visits the last couple of years but you know you got your lefty specialist that's going to throw to one batter and then you got your righty guy who's going to throw to one you know and they so the next thing you know you've got six guys in the game you know pitching in a game where you know back 10 years 15 20 30 years ago guys were throwing seven eight innings you know uh, then you had your setup guy and you had your closer and then away you went you know so some of that you know gets a little bit you know stale to me seeing all the pitching changes and, and a lot of that uh, I, I've, I've never been a big fan of the instant replay I know that slows it down a little bit I, I think it's made the game better but um, I hated it when it started I've kind of warmed up to it a little bit but I'm a big believer in umpires making a bad call as part of the game you know, and so I don't mind a bad call because in the long run, I think they all kind of even themselves out. And so uh, I think that slowed the game down a little bit. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm warming up to that because I'm seeing what it was. I see how, you know, Galarraga from the Tigers back in, you know, whatever it was at 2008, lost the perfect game because uh, there was no instant replay. I get those situations. But, you know, every time there's a close play now, the manager's calling time and they're, you know, the guy's getting on, on the phone and he's, you know, yes or no, whether even when they're not replaying it, you know, they're stopping the game for a minute to or 30 seconds or whatever it is to, to, you know, check and see if they want to challenge it. So um, I wouldn't have put the instant replay in again. I get how from a, you know, a baseball standpoint, they, they sort of needed to, but um, yeah, I, I don't think there's really a lot of other changes. I don't think they can do anything. I know they talked about um, relief pitchers. They need to go three batters now or something, or they're experimenting with spring training, I was reading. Um, I don't know that the players' union is going to allow that. Um, you know, whether I'm for it or not, I don't know. Um, I wish they went back to, hey, you had a you had a seventh-inning guy, you had an eighth-inning guy, you had a you had a closer, and they didn't go on on these matchups. But at the same time, from a coaching standpoint, I get it as well because I do the same thing, you know. Do you think we'll ever see the game be as popular as it was during Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, steroid era, big-time home run baseball? I think that's kind of popularity-wise, at least for me, a 23-year-old guy, that's when it was the most popular. Yeah, really it young. really was. I, I don't think so, um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I it seems to me like the popularity of the last couple of years has increased, but maybe that's just my own perception. I don't know the numbers. Um, and, and I think in L.A. when the Dodgers are good, yeah, it will certainly look yeah. that way. Um, 
I, I don't know. I mean, those were some fun years, man. I, I was, I think I was in high school when, when McGuire and Sosa were having the, the, you know, the home run chase and, you know, dudes were, were launching 50 bombs, 60, 70 bombs. And, and, um, you know, I, I remember look, you know, there was like one year, I looked this up a few years ago and there was like double digit guys that hit 40 plus home runs. I mean, that's fun. You know, it's, 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 but you know, obviously we're not going to get back to that again. You know, pitchers are so much better now. Again, the numbers, the specializing, the shifts. Um, we're never going to get back to uh, those big, you know, things, you know, as far as the, you know, those, those offensive numbers. I don't think unless they make a change. What'd you make of Kyler Murray electing to play football over baseball? You know, it's his choice. You know, what, what more power to him, whatever he wants to do. Um, you know, I feel for the A's, you know, because I, I, I think there was a, a – I don't want to say promise, but I think there was kind of a handshake agreement in place. You know, you kind of sign a contract, um, you know, and, and I feel like anytime you, you sign a contract, you should honor that contract. But but I get what he wants to do. Um, he didn't – I don't know that he expected to go out and win a Heisman Trophy and expect to be a first-round draft pick and, and be able to get that sort of signing bonus that those guys get. So, um, you know, it, it's his choice. I, I, you know, I, like I said, I feel bad for the A's in the situation, but, but it kind of is what it is. What I'd love to see is, you know, hey, let's get back to where they can do both, you know, back where the, you know, the Deion Sanders days and the, and the Bo Jackson days. And, and you know, I know those, that those were rare circumstances and times of change. But, man, how cool would it be if, if he, you know, played baseball when he wasn't playing football. You know, again, I know these franchises, they're dumping millions and millions of dollars and they're not going to allow it. But, you know, how cool would that be to, you know, just to see that? How big would that be for the game, you know? So um, it's unfortunate. You're a poker guy too, right? <laughs> yeah, you did your you did your background research. I saw, yes. Yeah, I saw yeah. Uh, on Twitter. So, what do you like to play? How'd you get into it? Oh man, that's another long story. But uh, yeah, I I was a professional poker player really? for for six years, I believe. Did you um, meet any of the big names? I don't play a lot of tournaments. I, I I was a cash game player, and that you know a lot of those big names that you see on TV, they're playing they're playing tournaments. Tournaments are more for fame. Cash games are more for for money. Um, is the way that I've always put it. I got into it. Uh, I'm a very, very competitive guy. You know, when I when I get involved in something, I'm all in and, and I want to do the best at it and, and I want to win at it. And it's one of those things where, um, you know, early on in college, just kind of playing, you know, dealer's choice with my friends, quarter ante, you know, buy in for five bucks sort of thing. And, and uh, I think I kind of, uh, you know, discovered that there was a little bit more to the game than what everybody knew. Um, and again, I just started studying the game. You know, I started researching the game. I, I, I fell in love with the game, the competitive side. Um, you know, and I just kind of, you know, another really long story that I could tell you off the record, but, but basically fell in love with the game and, and became a professional poker player and uh, was doing most of it online. Uh, you know, and just I was just playing poker and coaching and, and um, you know, did that for a long time and then, you know, decided to go back to school and finish my degree. And, and uh, here I am. So. How come you don't play, or do you still play for fun? I do still play for fun. Yeah, I play uh, when I have free time, which during baseball season is not at all. Uh, but, you know, I, I do go to, you know, some of the local games around here, and, and I do still play a little bit completely as a hobby, just for fun. Um, you know, not serious. I don't play the game for a living anymore. I never will. Um, you know, I still somewhat enjoy the game, only from a competitive standpoint. Um when I sit around and I get bored, I want to go do something. Um, and it's a way to kind of drive that competitive itch. You know, I don't, 
play ball anymore. I still obviously coach, and that that fills that competitive thing. But as soon as you know I'm in the off season or it's Christmas break or or something where I need to fill that competitive void, I do it to to kind of fill that competitive void. Yeah. You can choose not to answer this. This might not be a fair <laughs> question. Most amount of money you've won in a game. I better not answer that question because I know some of my kids are probably going to okay. listen to this and and get the wrong idea. Um, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to um, create that sort of sort of perception on myself. So I'll tell you off the record when we're done. It's definitely <laughs> fun though. I mean, I've yeah. never played for yeah. like real big time money, but always family tournaments. I used to yeah. do like poker stars as a yeah. younger guy. That it, it's fun. I uh, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Earlier this year, Ryan Braun, Gary Matthews Jr. returned to Granada Hills for a little alumni uh, get-together. What's it like when two pros come back? And, you know, that uh, was awesome. What That was a really, really good event. You know, we, we, we were supposed to have our alumni game that day, and they were going to kind of come out, and we were going to do just a little mini, like, you know, minute ceremony, have them throw a first pitch, give them a plaque, you know, thank them. You know, just a really like a pregame thing. We got rained out that day, and it was just such a blessing in disguise because we ended up being able to move it inside and do a full. We did about an hour and a half uh, ceremony for those guys, and they came back and they were able to talk to our kids. Um, you know, just to have those guys associated with the program and and building that bridge and that connection because there was kind of a disconnect there with those guys for 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 several years and and. Um, you know, just to bring them back, it meant a lot to our kids. I know that it meant a lot to our community, uh, you know, our baseball family. And, you know, I know our, our administration thought it was really cool. And, um, you know, it was just a really neat event to have those guys back here. Last thing for you, what are some future goals you have, whether it's in the groundskeeping realm as a baseball coach in life? What do you want to accomplish down the line? You know what? I, just day by day, you know, I, I want to win a championship, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just really about making an impact on kids' lives. You know, I come out and I worry about the things I can control each day. Um, I work hard. Uh, I try to make a good positive impression of these guys, and, and you know, I'm, gonna, I'm always working towards those goals of winning a championship. And um, But, again, at the end of the day, it's about worrying about the things I can control, which, which right now – um, is just how hard I'm going to work. So, uh, yeah, that's really about it. That's Matt Matuzak, the baseball coach and PE teacher here <laughs> at Granada Hills. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Hey, no, I thank it. you. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you having me. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube